Dragon the Peg is recorded in Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome to Dragon the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Houston, and I'll be your host. We've hit the mid-season mark, and I can't imagine a better guest to kick off the second half of Dragon the Peg than today's guest. I believe she's one of the most talented, polished, and well-rounded queens across Canada. She's a costume maker, a wig stylist, a performer of all styles of drag, and boasts one of the best beats in the country. It's no wonder she's the current reigning Miss Club 200, one of the most prestigious titles a performer can hold in Winnipeg. Beyond that, she's one of the sassiest and also warm-hearted queens in the city. She's also kind enough to pre-screen some of the episodes of Dragon the Peg before they come out for editing errors, on the off chance that I finish editing them with more than an hour or so to spare. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome the mother of the Chateau du Gâteau, a child of the houses of Lorraine and Allwood and the Lamore Coven, Empress 17 of Winnipeg and Miss Club 200 2018-2019, Cake. My name is Cake. I'm a local drag queen. And I don't know, I'm the Wicked Witch of West Broadway. Wicked Witch of West Broadway, I love that. Did you self title yourself oh yeah <laughs> speaking of I put, I put that whole little trademark like thing at the end of it just to be like tumblr funny <laughs> tumblr funny yeah tm yeah i was very much a tumblr teen i'm still a tumblr teen i <laughs> tumblr am too teen, like... i feel bad admitting it sometimes me and my best friend we have like a different name for it but it's not really appropriate <laughs> <laughs> not safe for work i'll tone it back <laughs> so Let's start with the beginning. You've described yourself before as a self-started drag queen. What does that mean? Self-started means like I kind of like came up with the idea to do drag on my own without really being exposed to my own local drag community is really like all that means. So like me and my best friend Kitty Valentine, it was us two, like we made the idea we're going to do drag. And then two weeks after that decision, Kitty started dating Serenity Ladasha and she used to do drag. But then she threw it all out, and then we pulled her back into it, so then we kind of became this little trio. We sat down and bought makeup and wigs and started playing around and figuring out things on our own, and yeah, we just got into it that way. We didn't really have an initial drag mother to start us off. I mean, drag mothers came later. They weren't so much of a thing back in, was it 2013 when you started? Uh, Yeah, like that's like when I made the decision. I I always like, I really consider my debut like January 2014. You kind of just started your own thing did you start performing like how did you get your first gig by yourself gigs like kind of came later like because my whole like our whole drag journey per se is that oh this looks like something I could do I'm gonna do that because you know it's an an amalgamation of all of my interests like sewing painting theater and music like found my niche I'm gonna do this and so then start working at it and then we had a deadline. We were like, okay, hey, we want our first like time out in drag at this time. So we had, we gave ourselves all this time to work on it. And then we went out. It was for our, our birthdays. It was for our birthdays. So like, <laughs> we're like, we're going to have a drag birthday party. And we did it and it was fun. And then we went out a couple times after that. And then 
eventually we got invited to do a show. Um, I believe it was it was in January and it was Tara Boinks' like beach themed drag show doing in the middle of winter just to like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess like just to be funny because it was so cold that year. And let me tell you, starting out in drag and trying to find like summer wear in the middle of winter <laughs> is so difficult. So like we just started doing shows and like I think like back when I started drag, I guess it's silly to say like back then because it's such a short time ago really. Like, if you were starting drag, you really had no expectation of getting money or getting gigs, per se. It was, you went out to do the shows that were happening, and the shows were always organized by someone else, like a more seasoned queen. So, like, we just put ourselves out there, and we got invited to do shows, and then that came with more exposure. And um, I got really involved with the court of Winnipeg. So that was, like, what I was doing. And then I think my, like, first real, like, paid gig gig was... I want to say it was probably for one of the universities. Mm. I want to say it was Drag Queen Bingo for U of M a few years ago. When you entered the drag scene as um, sort of your own self-started queen, did you find most of the other queens were pretty opening and accepting of you? Oh, yeah. Like, it's the same as it was back then. Um, I think maybe even now it's more welcoming because mm-hmm. I think everyone's sort of woken up to the mindset of, like, support local queens and really embrace everybody. Back then it was still pretty, I would say it's still pretty open, but there, I think there was still a little bit of like clickiness that was dissolving. But yeah, I, like people started noticing us and then started like asking like, hey, who are you? What's your name? Like, what is this? There was definitely like interest. Mm-hmm. Like, people wanted to know about us. Because we, we kind of came in at a time, like drag's booming right now. Like there's such a, there's a huge explosion of newer performers now. Back when we came out, we were kind of like one of maybe four or five mm-hmm. there was more like trying to start up yeah so we were kind of like in a bit of a there's a bit of a lull when we started so like i think a lot of people were like oh good more interest mm-hmm. <laughs> like we can keep this going everyone was really quick to just like be themselves and like they welcomed us in it was good yeah it was good i'm gonna say yeah short answer yes <laughs> everyone was welcoming <laughs> and what do you think now about the influx of a lot of younger queens i'm into it mm-hmm. i'm very pro fresh blood because it's a good thing like it just means like more inspiration for the rest of us so it seems like a lot of them are really really creative and kind of taking that online drag presence and putting it into like real shows in winnipeg which is kind of exciting like what do you mean by online there's just like this huge kind of like twitter instagram drag community that i've seen and lots of like weird conceptual ideas that some of them are Pulling in. Yeah, I know now now I see what you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like if you want to call them like social media like queens, like um yeah, they're definitely bringing that to life on stage, which is which is good. Most of them are like so sweet. <laughs> There's yeah. only a couple rotten apples, but <laughs> <laughs> So a little bit on to your drag career. Uh you were one of the queens who participated in Red by Queens, where you and a few other girls read storybooks to children at the Millennium Library. What was that experience like for you? That experience was really cool. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be invited to do that um, in the inaugural <laughs> Red by Queens. So that's that's really cool. Prairie Sky actually reached out to me to offer me that gig and like by extension, like Sunshine House and stuff like that. And, and that was like so much fun. And it was really great because kids are so like great at that age and they're so like receptive to new ideas and they're just, you can just look at them and they're, it's almost like they're seeing you 
they don't have all of those stupid societal barriers set up already. So they're just like, it's just you and them. And it's very like empowering for both of us, I think, for both children and for drag queens because, you know, we're exposing them to different ideas. And then the parents are like so great because they, they're, it's, I've, I even find that like it's the parents who are the most excited because <laughs> like, Children, like, meanwhile, they don't realize what's happening to them. They're just, like, there to hear stories. Mm-hmm. They don't really, like, they're not putting together all of this, like, sociopolitical <laughs> ideologies. Like, oh, drag is a con... I mean, gender is a construct, and, you know, misogyny is bad. And, like, they just... It's so, like, they're not there yet. Mm-hmm. So it's really great. And then, yeah, the parents are so sweet. Yeah, so just knowing how, like, kids react to me sometimes in public. Kids can be pretty wacky and how blunt they are. Did you get any of that when you were doing Red by Queens? You know, just it, be like it wasn't like it wasn't it was never like a whole hey how come you sound like a man or how come you're dressed like this man like it was never about that it was like we just had like children who are like they're like future hecklers at comedy clubs i swear to god mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they're like you'd be reading us you'd be reading a line in the story and all of them one has one of them has a witty comeback for what you just <laughs> said and i'm just like i'm just reading you a book kid like <laughs> it's just don't take it so don't take it so to heart <laughs> Yeah, kids are, like, I don't know. I never had a bad experience at Red by Queens with children. I don't know. I tend to avoid children. So. <laughs> like, Red by Queens is, like, my exposure to kids. Mm-hmm. It's very structured. And back in 2016, you hosted a free drag workshop at the University of Winnipeg, which is kind of something that's happening, or by the time that this is out, already happened at 4th with Lita Tequila and Prairie Sky. What inspired you to put something like that on? Back then, that's when I was involved with the Imperial and Sovereign Court of Winnipeg mm-hmm. and all of Manitoba. I was, uh, that was when Jamie Allwood and Jasmine Hormone were Emperor and Empress, Reign 16. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I was their princess at the time, which means, like, which really just means that I'm like a, I was one of the, like, key parts of their fundraising team. And they reached out to me uh because I did a drag show for them a couple years before or the year before whatever whenever it was mm-hmm. and they asked me if I wanted to do a workshop and I said yes and then they offered me an honorarium and I so I just sort of took that money and I donated it back to our charities for that year mm-hmm. so it was like I kind of used that opportunity as like a means to fundraise for the court and at that time I definitely felt like I had something to offer like my workshop was very knowledge based not necessarily practical based practical based which is what a lot of people are doing now and I think that's really great because there's there's a lot more setup that goes into setting up a drag workshop on like how to do a drag mm-hmm. in person whereas I was like here's drag philosophy 101 like <laughs> it was very just theoretical and like people asking me questions like what's it like to do drag and you know what are my experiences and like yeah it was very just like low budget TED talk. (laughs) So what was the best question that you got from that? Although that's two years ago, so I'm not sure if that's too far back. I can't remember, like, I can't remember specifically a question that was asked of me, but I do find, like, as the years go on, a lot of the questions still remain the same because there's still people who really want to get that base level knowledge of what drag is. Mm -hmm. Many people were interested in, like, what my personal perspective on, like, a lot of things were, like, growing up and how I got to where I am. And then, like, a lot of people just, like, how long does it take you to do your makeup? And, mm-hmm. like, where do you buy this? And how do you do that? And what do you do between your legs? And it's just, like, <laughs> those are all things I'm happy to answer and talk mm-hmm. about. 
For that workshop, you did an interview with Uniter, and you told them that drag is a subjective thing that's different for each person. So then what does drag mean to you? I did my research. You did. Yeah, <laughs> you know more about me than I do, apparently. <laughs> I believe that drag is the broad, one of the broadest forms of art in existence because it's so personal and subjective to each person mm-hmm. who does it. For some people, it's about you know theatrics. For other people, it's about creative constructions and other people it's about sort of gender expression and it gets so many things and like it's like it's almost like drag is the answer to everything like what do you want to do just do drag figure it out (laughs) um so for me drag is it's definitely my creative outlet it's a means to me having a platform in which to speak and yeah it's just all about taking what's on the inside and putting it on the outside it's all about expression and creativity and all that good stuff. <laughs> How do you know that there are straight girls in the gay bar? They were all the ones forming goddamn mosh pits for that. You know who you are. Thank you for coming. I drink fireball shots to see your way. And you have a pretty refined pretty excellent aesthetic. Where do you get kind of that inspiration for that from? (laughs) Refined. Thank you. (laughs) Where do I get like that inspiration? Yeah. What inspires you when you're making an outfit or? Well, being a plus size queen, you know, has its challenges. So, you know, it's not like I can actually like recreate a lot of the silhouettes that I see in media and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have to take inspiration and mold it to a way that suits me. My aesthetic, I guess, is more, I go for more, like, ethereal, sort of, you know, flowy, wispy, like, that sort of vibe. Like, very, like, witchy and dark beauty kind of thing. I kind of like to fantasize that my drag persona is just, like, I don't know, some sort of, like, fancy bog witch who came out from another dimension where everyone just has pastel hair. (laughs) Yeah, you're very well known for your lavender hair. That's yeah. That's my like my trademark, I guess. Is that like p- the purple hair is, like I don't know. I think I I think it's a staple for me. I feel feel like people know me for purple hair. I think purple hair and like silver hair and everything. It's very popular right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like not me saying I invented it at all. <laughs> I just jumped on the train at the right time. <laughs> yeah, and rode it all the way to notoriety. <laughs> I am inspired by like magic and fantasy and like just that era of mystery you have like it just you like you ever see like those characters in movies or books or you know media and it's like that mysterious figure like that you are so fixed on and you want to know more about them like I try to really capture that feeling until I open my mouth and then I'm just garbage but you know (laughs) I try to capture that essence that's what fuels me whether I pull that off is entirely in the eyes of the beholder. So, <laughs> Speaking of notoriety, last or not last year, two reigns ago, you were empress of the Snowy Owl Monarchist Society. Uh, yes, I, I am her imperial and sovereign majesty, Empress 17 of Winnipeg and all of Manitoba. Um, and it's official now because I completed all of my follow-up duties. So. <laughs> Unless I do something really uh, catastrophic, they can't take that from me. <laughs> Can they possibly revoke it? What would you have to do to have it revoked? I would have to, like, 
do something like really like heinous, like a violation of like someone's civil rights or something. <laughs> like I don't know, break the. Although, like, here's some tea though. Um, in other places, you can get away with a lot more. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> that's all we're gonna say about that. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I ran for empress, and well, I ran unopposed. So like, it was. A lot of people are like, oh, congratulations on winning your contest. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it wasn't really a contest. It was in a contest with myself. It was basically like more people said yes than they than people said no. So that's how I won. And a lot of people like to think of it like, oh, is it like, you know, like Miss America or is it this? And like, I always tell people that the whole election process is basically like running for student body president. <laughs> that's really like, that's the most accurate comparison I can make where you're running for a position and you're voted in by the people that it affects mm-hmm. <laughs> like so a lot a lot of it's like the queer community and other denizens of Winnipeg and Manitoba who know about it so yeah i ran uh because i like i like real answer i felt like at the time i had something to offer and i wanted to work looking back on it now i ran because i was really over ambitious <laughs> <laughs> Clearly just ambitious enough because you were uncontested. There's kind of like this, like, unwritten, like, understanding. It's like the queens, like, they kind of can feel the water. Like, they know who's going to who's gonna go next, who's making plans to do it. So it's kind of like one of those things where we all kind of, like, if people want to run, but mm-hmm. then they look at their competition and then... Sometimes people decide, you know what? No, it's that person's time to do this. I can. I'm more comfortable waiting. Like they, I feel like they're more ready to do this. They seem more ready, and so some people will back down from it. Mm-hmm. And then we, because we haven't had an actual competitive election since 2014, 2013, mm-hmm. 2013. Yeah, 2013, when Tyra Boinks and Sharon Cher like ran against each other. Yeah, so that was the last like time that anyone ever ran against each other, and. Since then, it's always just been, like, sole candidacies. So, clearly, the other queens thought that it might have been your time. Oh, everyone was just tired at the time. <laughs> everyone was busy doing other things. They're like, ugh, Keiko, keep the seat warm. <laughs> yeah. So, you keep saying that you thought you had something to offer when we were talking about events that happened in the past. What do you have to offer now? Or what do you think has Bad advice. Changed? Bad advice is what I have to offer right now. Bad advice? <laughs> yeah. And just bad jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have what I have to offer now are horrible puns and dad jokes and <laughs> self deprecating humor. But being Empress <laughs> also means a certain amount of fundraising, right? Yeah, like in yeah, okay, you're not <laughs> um you're more interested in like the real stuff, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we can if there's other stuff that's that Oh you're... no no no, like I mean I'm just being a silly girl. Oh yeah. And, you're like raining me in. It's, it's good. It's good. Uh, yeah, there was a great deal of fundraising. Like, I don't know. The things that I have to offer now, I think it, it just kind of stays the same. I just think it comes with more self-realization mm-hmm. towards the end. Because I think like I think two years ago, I definitely took myself very, very seriously. And you can ask anyone who knew me. I was a very high-strung, uptight kind of person. Whereas like now, it's like, I don't know if it came with like age or just a complete lack of brain function from all the stress but <laughs> I'm just a lot more easygoing now mm-hmm. and like a little more I laugh a little easier now <laughs> so you asked me what do I have to offer now what I have to offer now insight advice friendship <laughs> <laughs> 
Although, like, don't ever send me a message and expect me to get back to you right away because I'm terribly <laughs> introverted. <laughs> I would describe myself as one of those people who I'm a little bit like sort of a bleeding heart where, you know, I see injustice and I and I care about it. I try to be very, like, conscious of what's around me and who's around me and try to make a positive impact with whatever it is I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I think that's ultimately what I have to offer and what I definitely tried to offer in the past. Is it difficult being introverted and being a drag queen? It can be because it's like one of those things where like you're, you get into drag and you're like excited about it. But then like the minute you're ready and it's time to leave, you're like, I want to wash it all off and stay home. (laughs) I don't know. It's, there's kind of this duality that comes with it. And a lot of drag queens will, will also like tell you that once they get into drag, like sometimes some people are just like that all the time. But being in drag sometimes allows you to tap into other parts of your personality that aren't always prevalent in your day-to-day life. So I think that's where a lot of people get their, like introverts like me, maybe get our juice from. It's like you, you're going out, but you're going out as somebody else. So like the real life consequences and weights that you hold on yourself are suddenly kind of left at home for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you're able to just go out and be a little more carefree. So it's like one of those things like you just kind of have to for me I always have to just kind of like psych myself up when I have one of those times where I just don't want to be out or interact with people I just have to always remind myself like of how much fun I have doing it and how like I feel like this way very commonly so but I'm always wrong once I go out I have a blast it's great like just Mm -hmm. go do this you'll I just have to like you know be my own like voice of reason did you see that skirt come off I just love it when a snack unpacks itself. <laughs> Earlier you said that drag is kind of like a, a process of self-discovery. Did, how is yeah. that for you? Jeez, oh, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> it's been like a journey of self-discovery because I have just found that doing drag and especially being involved with the court and doing all that fundraising and charity work and like being a sort of a public figure so to speak, you do learn things about yourself. And when you're thrown into situations where you're not particularly like savvy or experienced with, you learn how you adapt to those things and you sort of uncover skills that you didn't necessarily know you had. I've had people tell me that, oh, well, like you are such a like really good public speaker. And I've never thought of myself as a public speaker before until, you know, you have to write a speech and say it in front of a group of people. And then also like, you know, representing an organization, like when you are like the face of it for a year, you kind of have to learn how to deal with being a sort of a professional, so to speak. And you sort of learn how you sort of like learn the responsibility of carrying like the expectations of other people. So like there's a lot of real world applications to that, like, outside of drag. So, like, public speaking, that's an important skill that can help you in many different ways. And then knowing how to handle high-stress situations as a public figure when you're representing an organization can have its benefits, too, because you you learn how to process your thoughts and what to say and, you know, represent yourself. Like, you don't want to get into a high-pressure situation and then just sort of shoot your mouth off mm-hmm. and say something inappropriate or offensive Even though sometimes we all just want to, like, tell people where to go and how to get there. (laughs) 
like that's just like the sort of I would say that's the business side of drag. I learned about that. Mm-hmm. And I learned those sk- like the skills that I had personally. I sort of learned a sort of a sense of self-worth and I learned even more about like my own, like the way I consider my own gender identity mm-hmm. and how I move through the world. Like it really helps you acknowledge your privilege too, specifically in like ways where like I, what I have found is so interesting about uh, to the world I present as a cisgendered white male, you know, you can't, you can't look down the street and visibly know that I'm gay and I'm a drag queen or I'm gender fluid or something like that Mm -hmm. and an interesting sort of epiphany to me was that the minute I donned a dress and a wig is how differently the world treated me in some ways it was great because you know you're applauded for doing something so quote-unquote brave by you know defying the gender norms but then on the other hand I've also felt your own sort of body autonomy gets taken from you in some sort of instances like I've had I've had instances where, like, people feel, like, welcome to put their hands on my body despite me being in drag. And, like, this is not, like, to any friends who are listening, like, they're fine. There's there's a consensual understanding there. Mm -hmm. But when, like, drunk strangers, they just come up to you and they see you. Drag queens are just, like, birthday clowns for adults. They just want to touch things. They just, like, they go back to that sort of, like, primal, like, I need to see this with my hands kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I've had drunk people, like oh my God, is this your hair? Can I touch it? And then before I can say no, their hands are already in my wig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I've had a run-in with like a man at a bar where he wanted me and another drag queen to go dance with him. And after the first drag queen said no and had enough of him, walked away, he looked at me, kind of complained about how she was being a bitch and how in where he comes from, when a, when a beautiful girl is asked to dance, she always says yes. So then he segues to like, saying to me like me to go dance with him and I say no I'm not comfortable doing that and he like literally like held his fist like inches from my face and like I couldn't at that point I couldn't really hear but I just kind of like completely like got myself out of that situation Mm -hmm. and so it's just kind of interesting like and like I just sort of thought to myself like Jesus Christ this must be how women feel like all the time so like I'm not trying to sound like a, a hero or anything because I figured this out but it just kind of it just makes you more aware kind of gives you a glimpse through the glass into another person's walk of life not saying that like i understand what it likes what it's like to walk down the street and feel unsafe although i'll tell you one thing i i have a rare rarely will i walk down the street and drag and feel comfortable yeah it's it just sort of opens my eyes to that um and then like a sense of self-worth came from i learned more about caring about myself and what my hopes and aspirations were and not necessarily the hopes and aspirations of another person it's like it kind of comes from that old adage like you know like you have to say those positive things to yourself in the mirror like I feel like you hear someone say that and you're like oh that's just a crock of shit like it's easier said than done it's just you know new age philosophy mumbo jumbo but like in practice like it is one of those things where you have to look at yourself and say I'm worth more or I'm I want to do this for me like, this is important to me. And you, spiritually, you put yourself first. Not, like, in selfish ways, but you just, like, you put your own ambitions and dreams and needs as a priority as opposed to sacrificing them for the sake of another person. I wanted to talk a little bit about your family and their relationship with your drag, just because a lot of the other queens have a lot of different stories and a lot of different 
ways that their families reacted to their drag. How was yours? Um, mine was good. I'm like, short answer, good, great, fantastic. I actually found coming out to them as a drag queen was a lot easier than actually coming out as gay to them. <laughs> it's such a funny situation to throw yourself back into because you're already, like I was already out and I was living with my partner at the time. So I was like out of the woods and then all of a sudden I start doing drag and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to, what, <laughs> like I can't keep this a secret forever. Like what do I do? Like what do I tell them? And then honestly what you do is you just tell them the truth. I told, I called my mom and my dad like separately because they're not together. I come from a, a broken home <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just told each of them, hey, this is what I'm doing. I just sort of like laid it out for them. I said, this is what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing it. And it doesn't need to be a big deal, but it's I'm having fun and I'm still happy. So this is the long and short of it. The only questions I got back were like, I think one of them just wanted to clarify, like, so you're just like, this is just like a theater thing. Like you're not like dressing like this full time, which is like, sounds problematic. But at the time it's just like, they're just asking a question. Mm-hmm. And so that was really the long and short of, like, how I told them I was doing drag, and they were fine with it. And if they had any doubts or concerns, they they kept it to themselves, and I think it all worked itself out in the end. My family's not really big on the talking about our feelings, except for me. I will, I'm the one who's, like, right around the corner with a cup of tea being like, do you want to talk about our feelings? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you feel about this? <laughs> like, oh, do you want to talk about the impact that these feelings have on our bodies and minds <laughs> like that's that's me at at christmas time which is like super annoying to everybody else are you a water sign per chance no oh i'm a fire sign oh okay however um back in high school when everyone was like what's your element like and you know people would always like identify i've always identified with water and like I've, that's just the way i've always felt and my fire sign tendencies Oh, I'm too introverted to actually, like, go out and do the research because I'm still, like, doing all of the thinking and internal thoughts, like, spinning my wheels inside that I have not yet gone out and been, like, to an astronomer or a a medium and be like, tell me about myself. Explain me to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're great, like, my family. They actually, when I go back to do shows, because I'm not from Winnipeg originally. Oh. I'm from Saskatchewan, Regina, Saskatchewan. I always tell people, like... Aaron is from Regina, but Cake is from Winnipeg because that's where, like, I started doing drag here. Because, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, you must know everybody back in the, the Regina scene. And, like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know about me. Like, I had very little friends. I didn't go out that much. It wasn't until I went back there doing court stuff and re sort of connected with that community that I got to see the emperor and empress that I voted for back when I didn't even know what that meant, back when I was like 18. I was just like, I had turned 18 and I was like, I want to go vote for Empress and vote for Emperor and Empress. And my boyfriend was just like, why? You don't even know these people. Like, I don't care. I want to go. I want to go vote. (laughs) (laughs) I went back there and actually my whole family, like my mom, my dad, my aunt, my uncle and my brothers came to the show. They like sat at a whole table to themselves and like watched the show, which was like, it was super sweet, but also like super nerve wracking for me because... It's like you; those thoughts go through your mind, like, "Oh gosh, they're about to see me do something that like is so important to me." But like, what if I do it poorly and they think I'm wasting my time? Like, you just worry about that. Mm-hmm. that that's just kind of what goes through your mind. But they've always been so supportive of me and taken an interest. And um, like, I call my mom and tell her about all of like the drag drama that happens. Like, 
she's like the keeper of all this of everyone's secrets (laughs) (laughs) and like my dad came my dad and my stepmom came to my step up like my crowning as empress and then my mom and her partner came to my step down which was really cool my aunt and uncle came to both yeah my aunt is like my auntie's one of the first people i actually came out to because in my family it's one of those things where like we didn't talk about our feelings and we also didn't talk about gay people or like there was just it was just a subject that never came up neither positive nor negative it was such a neutral territory that i didn't know where anyone kind of stood on the matter officially it was so ambiguous mm-hmm. i mean like looking back on it now like i like i should have just known better that like people would have been fine but it's just like i don't think that when you're so stressed out about that and so anxious about coming out that you think about you never consider the best case scenario you're always considering the worst case scenario mm-hmm. and so it's always such a a balancing act like i'm i'm sure i'm telling you stuff that you already you already know you juggle that whole internal struggle of like what am i going to do if i lose this person mm-hmm. in my life like how can I, how am i going to process that is it worth it um so like i came up to her for one of the first people i came up to because she's the only person in my family that I heard actually say the words, like, I don't care if you're gay, straight, bi, or whatever. Like, I will always love you no matter what. So mm-hmm. I'm like, this is where I'm going to start. Yeah, she's been to a lot of my stuff and just always, you know, she's just been a longtime supporter. So yeah, I've got, like, I really lucked out with my family. So I'm super grateful because I know, like, it's like one of those things, like, I know how some people don't have that. So I just very, I very much cherish the family that I do have. And how close we all are, so. I'm Miss Club 200, I'm the boss. So when I say applause, you applaud. That was a test, you failed. It's okay. I am not a comedy queen, nor do I claim to be one. For those of you who don't know my name, my name is Kate, I'm Miss Club 200 here. I forgot to introduce myself, and that's so rude in a room full of strangers. <laughs> I need my friends to know where I am at all times in case I get a <laughs> How'd you get so good at makeup? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm chosen. <laughs> no, um, like I did do a lot of painting in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was in, like, we ha- you guys have IB here, right? IB? Like the International Baccalaureate Program? No. Or, or maybe we do. Maybe I just don't know about it. <laughs> it's called, it's, it was IB for us. I think it's called AP other places too. But essentially it's just like, it's. Oh, AP classes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was in IB art in high school and like I did, I did horribly at it. <laughs> <laughs> just cause like, I was so like, oh, I have so many ideas. I'm a special art student. <laughs> but then like when it actually came down to doing like, I've always been such a late bloomer. And I always catch on at, like, the last second. And, like, near, like, the last three months of that whole course is when everything sank in and everything clicked the way it should have at the very beginning. And when they grade you, they look on your whole body of work. Mm-hmm. And so when you have, like, a rubbish 18 months and then, like, a strong six months, you're three-quarters rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so... I did not do well at that, but walking away from that, I did learn a lot of like critical thinking and a lot of like just able to sort of pick things apart and had my hand at doing practical art skills. So painting is something that I, I did back then. And I think that's where maybe it comes from. I'm just comfortable with a sort of a brush in my hand. And when I was a kid, I always used to draw a lot. And what I would do is I would 
I would col- like I would play video games, but I would always like, collect the players' guides to like the games I would play. But because I would always love the artwork in it, and I would always like look at a picture and then draw it on my own paper, just like I could copy things from reference. And so I think maybe that relates to maybe the way I do makeup in the way that I'm comfortable holding a brush and like feeling how a medium works. And then I'm also just really, this is all like me speculating, obviously, (laughs) but I guess maybe I'm able to look at things and replicate it onto me a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. Like that's just how my mind works. I think. Were there any video games that you were particularly inspired by or inspire your drag mayhaps? Not so much. Mm-hmm. I don't get a lot of like heavy duty inspiration from video games because I don't really, the character that I like to portray, I don't really ever see a lot yet. But I always am inspired by like, my favorite characters were always like the princess or like the magic users or like witches or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like I, I was always like big into like Legend of Zelda and I just loved like, like my favorite character was in fact like you know, Princess Zelda and how she was this, just this opulent sort of creature, <laughs> like how <laughs> had all of this knowledge and wisdom and all her biggest problem was she was being oppressed by the patriarchy. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe it's not necessarily an aesthetic, but maybe it's a, maybe it's a feeling or a characteristic that I inspires me. Do you belong to any houses? I do. Um, uh, mainstream drag culture, you'll, you'll see houses like, you know, in Paris is burning stuff like that like everybody's got like a name now in the court system what people like to do for reasons that could be status could be you know a strong friendship or a familial bond or you're just super close to someone or you want to like really spread your name out there people will give their drag names to people people like me i have quite a fine selection of names that i am able to tack on to the end of my name whenever I want to, you know, be that bitch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Dazzle the masses. Yeah, whenever I want to, like, show off and be like, look who I'm close with, bitches. Like, no. <laughs> it's, never, it's never about that. It's always kind of like a nod of respect to those people whenever you use those names. Mm-hmm. And it's particular that you would always see them in, like, a court setting. So I belong to, like, several people's drag families through that way. But my strong, like, drag family bonds, like, my parental units would be Satina Loren. And then I have a drag father who was kind of, like, my like my monarch court role model slash mentor, and that's Jamie Allwood. I'm a part of, like, those are my, like, parental drag people. Um, and then there's, like, there's, like, little things, like, clusters of sisterhoods that you're always a part of, so... Me and Satina and our friend Hellacious Acres, where the we call ourselves like the bitches of Eastwick, <laughs> and I like I have a strong connection with my good friends Kitty Valentine and Serenity Ladasha. So like those are my the the goodest of Judies, you know. Like, <laughs> those are like the big houses that mean that are like the closest to me. Not to say that there aren't many more. Like I have the like drag has really opened up the door to me connecting with a lot of souls that are so like-minded and amazing. And I think the beauty of it is that the more and more you define yourself, like the more off the beaten path you go, like, yes, I'm gay, but I'm also, I'm this, and I'm a drag queen, and I'm this, like the more you go off that path, like the people that you find there are so much more special because you've found a group of people who walk a similar path and 
they're kind of like you're all waiting for each other to get there. So I've made such amazing, like strong friendships in like Edmonton, Calgary, Regina, like Minneapolis. Like, so it's, it's amazing. Where did the name cake come from? So I am a, I'm a baker slash pastry chef by day. Oh. However, that's, I don't like to say that that's where my name came from. A lot of people just kind of make the connection. I think on a subconscious level, that's maybe where it came from because it was basically back when Kitty and I were like sitting in our apartment and I was just on my computer and Kitty came into my room and just plunked down on the bed and was like, if I were to ever do drag, I would want my name to be something Valentine. I don't know why I just like the name Valentine. I just want that name. And I just kind of like in a, like without thinking, I just kind of spun around and said, mine would be one of those like one word names. That's just an inanimate object like cake. (laughs) And, like, we both had a laugh, and then Kitty was like, oh, my God, you have to keep that. That's such a good – that's so good. And then leading up to our sort of, like, drag debut, I just couldn't think of a better name. (laughs) So (laughs) Cake it was. Although there's some, like, really cool names out there that I have, like, in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh, man, if I could – if I could ever change my name, there's some that I would use. Care to share? Nope. No? (laughs) Nope. Oh, yeah, other people might steal them then. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Maybe I can just save them for, like, potential protégés. I have my own set of drag kids, and they're all hot messes. Who are they? <laughs> Who are your kids? Uh, my firstborn would be Dusty Rhodes, and he was just... He's a good friend of mine. Like, he's a very good friend of mine. He's an idiot, and <laughs> he knows it. <laughs> but no, he's a very, like, very special person, and he was, like, my court protégé. He, there was many a time where I would annoy the shit out of him with all of my really like doting advice and I'd be like you should do this and you should really think about this and he'd just for a while he just kind of stopped talking to me because he's like stop telling me what to do I'm like, <laughs> I'm like but I know better <laughs> and then uh, my I have two drag daughters the next one is uh, okay her name now is Frida the Freeloader <laughs> much to my disappointment <laughs> I'm I'm coming to terms with the fact that she wants to be Frida the Freeloader when I don't know I was such a I think I was such a fan of her original drag name that I'm it's gonna take from a minute a minute for me to come around to Frida. Who was it? What was her previous name? Um, Valletta Vexus. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Right? Like, isn't that name so <laughs> sexy? It is. <laughs> like, it's something about V. Yeah, and like just vex i'm like i don't know she feels like she sounds like a uh, cosmic rock that chipped off of a fancy mountain like yes (laughs) anyway frida she is and frida she shall be and i shall learn to accept her new identity (laughs) (laughs) and then my other one is like i share a drag daughter with prairie sky and it was more like we just sort of like saw this one and prairie's like Oh, you're my daughter now. I'm like, hell no, she's mine. And so we just shared her. And she, so I got to call her my dumpster baby. <laughs> we just sort of happened along and scooped her out. Of, and it's uh, Lilith Moon. Oh. She's she's still she's still figuring out her her shit. Like, mm-hmm. she's a good friend of mine. And yeah, she's she's gonna do good things. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much. You guys have been uh, doing so good as an audience. Um, did you know that we do drag shows like this like all the time? So, you should come out like all the time. All the time. Especially now. We have, <laughs> Winnipeg has literally just spread its legs open and spit out a slimy fresh batch of new drag performers. So, 
They are lubed up and they are ready for your entertainment. So please stay in tune. What are some tips that you'd give to new queens? Do it. Do drag. <laughs> tips that I have for new performers, I would say, my whole experience is that there's there's a million and one gay children out there in the bar scene that are just come up and coming and they're like, I want to do a drag, but I don't want to be busted my first time. And I just have like one thing to say to that. And I'm like, being busted your first time is a given. Like there's, <laughs> it doesn't matter how good you think you are, how good you think you're going to be. Because drag is one of those things that evolve. Like I could show you some really nasty pictures from when I first started <laughs> to where I am now. Everybody has that evolution. And the more time you waste focused on not being busted your first time is time that you could spend doing drag, having fun, making friends, and developing your art. I don't know. I think the whole concept of, like, I don't want to be busted my first time is bullshit because nobody's ever perfect at anything on the first try. And if you are, like, you're done then. Okay, good. You did it great. Now what? move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. If you're doing drag and you're perfect, like, you're, you're, you're not relatable. No one wants to talk to you. And... Like, what's the point of doing it if, you're, if you've already mastered it? Get out there. Do drag. Be busted. That's how you're going <laughs> to, like, ugh, if I could, those messy first years are, like, the best. They're the best time. You just get to be the new queen, and you get to, there's no expectations on you, and, like, everything you do, like, everyone is so impressed by it because you're such a new queen. Like, like you don't have this giant expect. That's the thing is, like, if you're coming out and you want to be perfect on the first try, you are instantly putting on an insurmountable amount of expectation on you. Mm-hmm. And if you fall from that, people are going to be like, oh, guess you're not all that. Like, guess it was a fluke. So, like, you know, build up to it. And do drag. Be messy. Have fun. <laughs> make mistakes. If somebody wants you to adopt them, what's your advice for them? I don't know. I, I'm, having a, I'm having a whole... Like, I did not really expect myself to have drag children so fast (laughs) I think um, I think some people put a little too much stock in you know selecting a high profile drag mother so to speak I mean there are also the people out there who like can't be bothered with old bitches (laughs) which is great because you know we can't be bothered with you (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people put a lot of stock into a name and you just have to also realize that like okay, like, is your drag identity going to be tied up in someone else or is it going to be tied up in yourself? Because there's nothing wrong with being a part of a legacy, but, you know, you also want to have something to stake your claim to. And I also believe in, like, you know, these these drag mentors and drag mothers and drag fathers and, like, it's not just a business transaction, you know? It's not like, oh, you're my drag daughter now. And this is like, that's what this means. Like, it's also, it's a more, it's a strong friendship. It means more than that, than just having that status. It can mean so much more than, than that. I mean, if you don't care about all all that, then great, go for whatever. But I think it's, I've, what I have found is there's so much meaning in that connection that you build with people. Like when I found these mentors, I was like, I was already doing drag on my own. Like they didn't need to reach out to me and I didn't need to reach out to them, but it was through this relationship that we developed that it became that and it's I think that's what makes it all the more special so my advice to anyone who wants me to adopt them is like I don't know buy me a drink first (laughs) (laughs) oh more advice for new queens Mm. stay humble don't be entitled pay your dues because I feel like we 
I don't know, personal opinion time is just like, I think we live in such a time where everybody needs validation. And I think validation is such an important thing for people to have. However, I feel like a lot of people don't want to put in the time that it takes or the they don't want to do the work for it. They want instant gratification. And the problem with instant, grat- instant gratification is that it goes just as fast as it comes. Like, you know, you post a really great selfie on Instagram or you do this and you get 100 likes. and it, Yeah, it feels great. But, like, in two days, like, it's not going to matter. You're going to have to do that again. You're going to have to keep doing that. But if you really invest your time into something worthwhile that you care about or making a difference in in your community or in someone else's life, the more work you put into that, the longer the payout is. And that's how I feel because, like, I'm so grateful for the experience that I've had because I've had the opportunity to put my work out into the world being via charity work, via my drag expression and all that stuff. And I've had a wonderful time with, you know, how – receptive people have been to it it really like stays with you and it really builds your confidence and it really makes you just a more i don't want to say happy because like that's like such a frivolous word but it just makes you more if you feel fulfilled you feel fulfilled Mm -hmm. and it's a kind of fulfillment that you can't fake so to my new queens and new kings and new gender fluid performers and non-binary people i would say just find something that you care about and put your work into it, you'll get the payback. The more work you put in, the longer the payback is going to be. But if it's all just, like, surface level to you, then that's all it's ever going to be. On top of that, like, coming with that work that you're putting out there, people are going to recognize that, and then they're going to really, like, take the time to appreciate what you have to offer, and then that's when when things are going to turn for you. And you're going to find opportunities, and you're going to find your chance. Because if you're just walking into doing dragged and you're expecting it to be like a lightning strike well lightning strikes only like the very few of us you're you can't ever plan for that my advice is just plan to do the work and if lightning strikes you know what good good for you like we should all be so lucky (laughs) (laughs) but yeah just stay humble stay relatable stay teachable and don't be an asshole (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for sitting down with me no problem i had so much fun thank you so much to cake for sitting down with me Our next guest is not only a drag queen, but a comedian to be reckoned with. Long before selling out a one-woman show at the Fringe Festival and taking her signature sense of humor to the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, she was known for gagging audiences with her talent, glamour, and iconic comedic brand for over a decade. Here's a clip from her interview. Drag queens were just cattier then, right? Like, with the audience and with people, and because it was just kind of expected a bit, but also I think, like, you had to learn to protect yourself right because not only uh, things have changed so much just within the like queer community that as far as like safety and accessibility and things like that so to be somebody who's in an ostracized community who's then further ostracized for their femininity and then further ostracized for like expressing that femininity you kind of had to build up a shell or like a something to protect yourself and so often that came about is cattiness don't forget to follow dragon the peg on facebook twitter and instagram for photos extra content and news on upcoming drag shows in our city and of course thank you so much to claire boning of veneer for the outstanding intro and outro music and to red river college for letting me use your audio equipment until next episode remember to always tip your local drag queens